time to rest, time to refresh, no stress To the city point Giving him your best, nothing like the rest Passing every test, you know he's the one, yeah Taking time to rest, time to refresh, no stress To the city point Giving him your best, nothing like the rest Passing every test, you know he's the one, yeah Taking time to rest, time to refresh, no stress Yo, it is so good to be with you all. Happy Easter, everybody. For some of you, you are streaming us on the internet. You are on Facebook Live. You are on YouTube Live. For some of you, you are in person. Welcome. It's been an entire year. Finally, we have the chance to come back together. Wherever you are connecting with, with us, it is, it is great to be able to connect with you today. And once again, happy Easter to you. Um, I, we are jumping into a sermon today that I've been looking forward to doing. Today's sermon is titled Trap Jesus. I want to jump right into the text. We're going to be looking at Mark chapter 6, verse 34. I'm going to jump into a quick word of prayer and then we'll jump into the text and get into the word. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you so much for giving uh, me this chance to present your word to these, your people. I pray that you will use me, that you will pour your truth through me to these, your people in a way that is real and in a way that is relevant. I pray, God, that you will speak through me, God, and, and speak and that only your word and your truth will come through me today. I pray that as I pour out, you will pour back into me. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's look at Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6, verse 34. Mark chapter 6, verse 34. It says, And he came forth and saw a great multitude, and he had compassion on them, because they were as a sheep, not having a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things things. Let's talk about Trap Jesus. So if you grew up in or in or visited the doctor's office in the 1980s or 1990s as a kid, I'm sure that at some point you uh, found yourself passing time picking up a copy of Highlights magazine. Uh, this magazine, Highlights, was a publication that was specifically for kids. Now, one of the hallmarks of that magazine was that in each edition, there was a game called Where's Waldo? Where's Waldo was this game where you had to search the page to try to find within that page, amongst the crowd of people, this one character by the name of Waldo. Now, Waldo would be wearing his signature red and white striped shirt and his signature red and white striped hat, and you would search the page, sometimes to unbelievable frustration, trying to find where amongst all those people was Waldo. Was Waldo amongst the kids at the carnival? Was Waldo amongst the adults uh, on the bench at the park? Was Waldo standing next to that person under the umbrella? It was a challenging task to search among all of the seemingly hundreds of people in that illustration to find among them where was Waldo. Not only was it challenging as a kid to find where among the people was Waldo, but may I suggest to you that as an adult, an equally challenging task has been determining where amongst the people groups in society is Jesus. Like a Martin Luther King quote, everybody uses Jesus. Everybody claims him for their own motive, but, but where is he? He is claimed in palaces. He is claimed in halls of power. He is claimed by politicians and princes. He is claimed by the wealthy and the elite. He is claimed by the moneyed and the influential. He is claimed by the family values folks. 
He is claimed by the guardians of the status quo. He is claimed by the elite within the black community. He is claimed by the spiritually gifted, those who fill pews on Sunday mornings. He is claimed by those whose morality fit both social and religious acceptability. You know what? He is claimed by folks who church on Easter. He is claimed in all of these various spaces and places in society, and it is generally accepted without much friction that Jesus is indeed among them. After all, when you look at these people, their money, their position, their power, their lifestyle choices and how things generally turn out for them seem to bolster this idea that we have been given that Jesus is indeed among them. But may I suggest to you this Easter morning that Jesus is bigger than this. May I suggest to you that Jesus is actually limitless, that Jesus can be found in unexpected spaces and places. Yes, Jesus is in high places. Jesus is among some powerful people. Yes, Jesus is among some people who are wealthy. Yes, Jesus is among the folks who fill pews on Sunday, who know where to place their amen, who know when to stand, when to clap, when to lift hands, and when to say hallelujah. Jesus is among some of the masses of the middle classes who work hard, who believe in so-called family values. Yes, but Jesus is also in unexpected places. Yes, while he's in those high places, while he's in those socially acceptable places, let me inform you this morning that he's also in the trap. The trap where people are forced to get at how they live. The trap. The trap where people have been forced to make a way out of no way. The trap where the common people who've been let down are trying to come up. The trap. Jesus can be found in the trap among the trappers. Jesus can be found on the block among those who shake hands to exchange crack for cash and heroin for hundred. Jesus can be found amongst those whose only shot at economic hope is through cooking up dope. Jesus can not only be found where the peaceful middle class life is lived, where money can be made outside of the black market, where deals can be made above ground. Jesus can also be found amongst the least and the left out. I get it. I know that it is controversial Yes, but let me state to you plainly that I do believe that Jesus is in the trap too. Now by trap, I'm not simply talking about criminality. I'm talking about those who have seen opportunity systematically stripped away from them. Those who have found themselves locked and trapped inside of ghettos across this country for multiple generations. Those who have gone to underfunded schools and underinvested neighborhoods and have low access to jobs and chronic unemployment. Those that have been left by our society and our government to fend for themselves while Others on the other side of town are propped up by opportunity. Those people who have been left fending for themselves and are using what little opportunity is available to them to keep a roof over their heads, to put food in their bellies, to put clothes on their kids' back. Let me say to you emphatically that the way my theology is set up is that Jesus is with them. Let me also say to you, that they are not the only ones in the trap. 
let me say to you that they are not the only ones. Because you could never have seen a gram of cocaine in your life, but truth be told, you could still be in the trap. The truth of the matter is, if you were born a person of color in this country, you were born in the trap. If you were born as a woman in this country, you were born in the trap. You can be black, have a degree and a good job and be in the trap. The only black man or woman in the department that you work in on your job. Trap. You see, may I submit to you that our brothers and sisters that are making the best out of the cards that they have been dealt. Those that are on the block. They're not a whole lot different than you or I. They are making the best out of the hand that they've been dealt. And we are making the best out of the hand that we have been dealt. Yeah, most of us in this room are in the trap. We've got a different hustle, but we are in the trap. And so this very idea of us all being in it together is at the heart of the ministry of Jesus. You see, the gospel writers do not record then Jesus was with the middle class. The gospel writers do not record then Jesus was with the middle class. Then Jesus was with the underclass. Then Jesus was with the hustlers, pimps, players, and bandits. No, it captures them all in one bucket. It simply calls them the multitude. Another way, and I believe the more accurate way that that word in the Greek, uh, oklos, is interpreted is the common people. The gospel writers were not trying to simply relate the size of the group, but they were conveying the social status of the group as well. That there is, in effect, a ping pong that happens throughout the gospel narratives where Jesus is with the multitude and then other instances where he is confronted by someone or a group from the ruling class. His ministry is among the multitude, but his conflict is among the ruling class. He is preoccupied with everyone in the trap. But let me say to you that he is antagonized by those who control and who benefit from the trap. In Mark chapter 2, verse 4, he's with the common people. In Mark chapter 2, verse 13, he's with the common people. In Mark chapter 2, verse 6, he's antagonized by the ruling class. In Mark chapter 3, verse 9, he is with the common people. In Mark chapter 3, verses 2 through 22, guess who pops up again? The ruling class, antagonizing. In Mark chapter 4, verse 1, he's with the common people. In Mark chapter 5, verse 21, he's with the common people. In Mark chapter 5, verse 24, he's with the common people. In Mark chapter 8, verse 1, he is with the common people. In Mark chapter 8, 11, verse 18, he is antagonized by the ruling class. In Mark chapter 10, verse 1, he is back with the common people in Mark 11 and 32, he is antagonized by the ruling class. It seems by the way that Mark structures this, it seems that Mark is making a point to the reader. It seems that Mark is making a point that Jesus is organizing, educating, and empowering the trap and the powers that be don't like it. Here is what I would love for us to take away from this notion this morning, this notion that it is Jesus with amongst those that are in the trap and it is the ruling class that are that is antagonizing against Jesus and this group here is what I would that we would take away from this this morning. 
that whether you spend your weekdays on the block or in the boardroom, whether you spend your weekdays sitting in a corporate office or posted up on Cottage Grove, all of us are in the trap. We're all in this together. And therefore, the well-being of any of us must be the concern of all of us. Yes, the life and cross of Jesus Christ have effectively brought us all together and we should be restless about the suffering of anyone among the multitude. No matter where in the trap you are located, the suffering of women ought to make you restless. Now, no matter where in the trap you are located, Violence against women should be a problem to you no matter where in the trap you are located. The hunting down of black men ought to bother you no matter where in the trap you are located. The systematic undermining of black male uplift should be a problem to you no matter where in the trap you are located. Children going to bed hungry at night ought to be a problem for you no matter where in the trap you are located. People choosing between food and medicine should be an issue to you no matter where in the trap you are located. Homelessness, lack of opportunity in the so-called land of opportunity should be a problem to you. Yes, all of us are in the trap together. We're all in this together. One cross ought to mean one cause. And that ought to be the liberation and the well-being of all people so that no one is a subject to anyone except to the lordship of Jesus Christ. That, that, that's what it all ought to be about. Let me say that one more time. One cross, one cause. And that cause ought to be the liberation and the well-being of all people so that nobody is a subject to anyone except to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. We're all in a trap together. And thank God that we have a Savior who abandoned a tomb and rose again with all power in his hand who was in the trap with us. Let us pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you we thank you, God, that you are with us. We thank you that you are with the multitude. We thank you, God, that though we suffer, though we have been pitted against each other, that the cross of Jesus Christ brings us all together. I pray in Jesus' name that we will live the reality that you have given us spiritually, that we truly will be one, that we truly will function as one, that we truly will abandon selfishness and care about those that are the least and that are left out. That we truly will care about the suffering of the person sitting next to us, even if they are not exactly like us. I pray in Jesus' name that brothers will care as much about women's equality as women do. I pray in the name of Jesus that women will care as much about men's uplift as men do. I, I pray in the name of Jesus that black people will care about the suffering of brown people as much as they do. I pray in the name of Jesus that black and brown people will care about the suffering of Asian 
people as much as they care about their own suffering. I, I pray that those of us with means will care about the suffering of those who have little to no money as much as they do. I pray that those of us whose refrigerators and pantries are full will care about the hunger of those who are hungry as, as much as the hungry do. Give us this kind of dangerous unselfishness, God that mirrors that of Jesus Christ. It's in the name of Jesus Christ we pray, amen. Oh, yeah.